A very warm welcome to all my listeners to Insider's Talk. And today we have a very special episode called the Fireside Chat with CTO of Paradigm, Mr. Azmat Pasha. So let's dive in. I have with me Mr. Azmat Pasha, Chief Digital Officer of Paradigm, and we will be talking to him about the company and what they are looking forward to when it comes to the Indian uh, land. But before that, we would definitely like to know, Azmat, more about you and then slowly get into Paradigm. So if you can share with our uh, listeners, you know, who Azmat Pasha is and, and in your words, you know, it could be qualifications, it could be your professional background that you've had because it's quite impressive of what I have seen. So if you can share that with our listeners, that would be great. Uh, My name is Azmat Pasha, and uh, I hail from uh, Chennai, India, right? So I have humble roots and beginnings from India. Um, So pretty much I've been here in North America for almost uh, 20, 28 years now, and uh, spent a lot of time in my career grooming in in the information technology space. So. um, you know, today I'm at uh, Paradigm Technology, and I'm the Chief Digital Officer here. So I'm a key member of the executive leadership team, and I'm responsible for driving and providing oversight to Paradigm's uh, digital business from an end-to-end data management, advanced analytics, cloud. So these are all transformation initiatives uh, that uh, I basically profess here at uh, Paradigm. And Paradigm, uh, just to touch on, has been an award-winning a leader in digital and business transformation space for over about two decades now. They've been an Informatica platinum partner, and they have massed a lot of partnership and uh, fantastic resources who are working for our customers. That's lovely to hear. Uh, I mean, uh, 26 years is it's a quite an achievement to be in the business and, you know, to scale at such a level that you, we have spoken about. So, uh, what do you get on the table uh, for Paradigm? So for Paradigm, basically, um, so Paradigm before COVID and uh, during COVID, we're doing a lot of uh, uh, data management work uh, in the master data management and the product information management space and data governance. Uh, and uh, what we are looking at is transforming, right? And looking mm-hmm. at technologies that are like, you know, everybody's talking about the cloud and since I have worked a lot of cloud for the last four years, uh, I have been fortunate to be affiliated with Wipro and uh, Capgemini in the past. Uh, so those ideas that I bring in is mm-hmm. going to help Paradigm address the demand in the market, demand from the customers in terms of uh, you know the digital transformation, which is pretty much broad, right? It could be cybersecurity, it yeah. could be... Uh, data analytics, it could be cloud, it could be anything, right? Where the customer mm-hmm. wants to spend and take uh, um, things forward for themselves. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, like we uh, we are already, like you said, before and after COVID right now, digitization is something which uh, I think during the pandemic, really uh, people got interested, especially for uh, businesses who were not too keen on uh, mm-hmm. getting themselves digitized and everybody was talking about having a digital strategy but i'm pretty sure many of them wouldn't understand exactly how to define a digital strategy so if you could share your uh, thoughts on that a fantastic question so uh, digital transformation has been on business leaders radars for some time now but what was once considered optional is now in the wake of covid-19 pandemic is imperative uh, mm-hmm. Every business must undoubtedly become a digital uh, and business leaders lack that clarity and how to accelerate that shift to a digital uh, future. So digital strategy means that the strategic implementation of new digital capabilities, allowing scale to maximization or uh, scaling up your business operations. That should be the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's in everybody's radar and uh, creating a fantastic uh, digital strategy. Uh, is uh, something that uh, folks like us, uh, leaders in the industry, paradigm, are focused on. Mm-hmm. So can you share with our listeners, you know, what is your digital plan of increasing your business or, you know, your technology agility over the period of time? Um, in today's era of volatility, there is no other way but to reinvent. The only sustainable advantage you can have over others is agility. Because nothing else is sustainable. Everything else you create, somebody else will replicate, right? That's right, how right. Jeff, Jeff Bezos, uh, I wanted to quote. <laughs> um, 
So the experience of customers at the heart of digital, as a result, the primary focus of digital transformation is to use cutting edge technology to improve the customer experience. Mm-hmm. So many recognize this, about 92% of the leaders developing mature digital transformation uh, specifically to enhance the customer experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically you have to design and digitize your customer journey, mm-hmm. uh, increase speed. That is true. I truly agree with you that, you know, doing a business is not just about putting the product there, but it is also about understanding what your customer needs and making your product valuable to the person who is going to probably buy it or subscribe it or in whichever format you want to put it out there. So how do you plan that in Paradigm to take care of what your clients or customers want? So it's the small things that you do that go a long way when it comes to making a sale, right? Mm-hmm. Sales aren't as easy as they used to be. Nowadays, customers can now use the web to research more information, read mm-hmm. testimonials, and even read customer complaints. Right. So customers are more educated. So the value of goods and the services that they buy and partners that they uh, bring towards, you know, in terms of a software tool or a, anything from a platform change, everything is out there. People are already talking to people over social media. So it mm-hmm. becomes really um, uh, interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to be an uh, active uh, advocate and advisor to the customer in making sure that they have that trust with you, right? And a recent study uh, that uh, Cisco Systems did, they reported more than two-thirds of U.S. consumers are willing to provide more personal information in order to receive more personalized service right. in managing their finances. And that's the kind of trend that we're seeing with our customers, right? Mm-hmm. So if you put your customers first and focus on getting to know them and build a relationship, you're more than likely to outsell and outperform your competition. So understanding what your customers want you to know about them will help build that relationship long ways, which in turn will increase uh, brand loyalty and help grow your business. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So uh, like, you know, uh, if, because now even marketing has moved into a digital platform where social media plays an important role in uh, uh, putting your product out, putting your services out to reaching out to more people. So uh, now I see that any kind of a marketing strategy, social media is is a very big essence in it. So what do you think is the right way in today's time, especially uh, to market your product or service out there? So there's this is a two-part question, right? Mm-hmm. So being a change agent myself, mm-hmm. I think being a chief digital officer, uh, and bringing in the transformation ideas are always going to be brilliant. But mm-hmm. digital has thoroughly disrupted the interface between organizations and the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And for larger companies, it's very hard to digest all that disruption into the existing structure at the speed at which the market is moving. Right. Um, so uh, independent of the existing marketing and IT organizations, uh, you have to look at how you're going to grow without constraints uh, and a good CDO, right? will mm-hmm. certainly coordinate with their CIO and a CMO counterparts, but they don't have to wait for consensus to make things happen. Mm-hmm. So the challenge, however, is deciding how these roles should converge back into a unified organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, to answer your question in the second part, uh, basically it's all about the differentiation. How are you going to differentiate by uh, providing unbeatable customer service, mm-hmm. uh, having niche product, niche offerings, uh, which interests your customer and wow your customer, right? In a very mm-hmm. cost-effective manner. And add a personal touch to it as you're creating that emotional customer uh, connection, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, have, uh, of course, pricing. Everything is near and dear these days with COVID. Right. Uh, customers are very cost-conscious in how they want to uh, optimize their platforms and uh, bring out, you know, year one, year two, year three type uh, Uh, cost benefits uh, to the larger budget and CapEx and OPEX. So all that is basically going to uh, define, you know, how much advantage do you have in bringing that customer home, you know? Mm -hmm. What you said is absolutely right. And that's the reason, like, you know, over, over the period of time, like we have seen that many companies are becoming more and more aware. And the fact that there has to be somebody who can drive, I would say, uh, this uh, whole process and that's where you see a rise in chief digital officer so do you think you know uh, putting in a chief d- digital officer 
and then you have the marketing CMO, then you have a CIO, then you have other CEOs. So do you think there are a lot of conflicts now happening in defining the strategy uh, now in the recent times or over the period of time when digitization has taken in, you know, uh, so much of uh, time and effort for the product to come out or the service to come out for a company and taken a very important role in marketing the product out there? Uh, This is a very interesting, thought-provoking and a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, You you have to be uh, politically correct, right? So uh, I'll leave that on you. (laughs) (laughs) So as I mentioned earlier, right, there should be clear distinguished roles between what the chief digital officer does, what the CIO and CMO are charted with, right? So Mm -hmm. from uh, uh, the digital uh, transformation standpoint, the chief digital officer is more of that uh, who looks at um, the outside market, the market trends, what the technology spend in the industry in general is. Uh, for example, right, uh, we're talking so much about cloud transformation and that's happening in the last mm-hmm. uh, two years with COVID. Most of the CIOs have basically put cloud as their number one focus and they put all the other programs that they had charted in like master data man, man, uh, management or uh, we have a classic uh, customer where they had a product information uh, management uh, entire thing project was put on hold because of COVID and they more focused on the cloud transformation, right? So when that kind of things happens, you have to really understand that, you know, the market trend is there. You have to look at uh, the uh, internal uh, landscape, why the company wants to do that. So you're going to be working with uh, very... Um, uh, prudent budgets, right? right. Uh, your budgets are not going to be there. So the C- CDO's role is get even more challenging because uh, he or she needs to create a successful digital organization, which mm-hmm. also integrates with the rest of the firm's uh, org chart. And holistically, you, you basically work with uh, the C-suite and the folks in the trenches to making sure that you can quickly adapt and move quick and address uh, the technology change because in the industry, right, certain places, the CIO, CDO get dotted line with CMO and then to the CEO. In certain areas like with uh, consulting and services business, uh, you know, the CDO's role is in essence a CIO, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to make sure that uh, we basically put things in perspective in terms of uh, the transformation. Uh, for example, we have digital product engineering and that also it goes hand in gloves with the cloud transformation and all that kind of rolls up to the CDO mm-hmm. and um, and which in other places could be CIO. So, so do, uh, do you think that, you know, if, if, if the CEO can, can define the roles and responsibilities between, uh, you know, these three, like CDO, CMO and CIO, it is, it is easier to coexist and work towards a common goal uh, rather than creating conflicts of who wants to do what kind of a situation? Again, a good question. So I think a good CEO will expect this, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, expect in terms of trying to put the right, uh, uh, you know, uh, responsibilities, roles in place, mm-hmm. but will seek to keep the fire under control by establishing clear ground rules for the responsibilities of each of these roles mm-hmm. and the expectations of what will happen at the intersections. There are going to be hard calls that won't necessarily be decided between the right. CDO, CMO, and CIO, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. of their own accord. And the CEO needs to be, then the CEO needs to be ready for those and unequivocal in his or her decisions. Finally, the CEO should have a plan for unifying the organization down the road. Mm-hmm. That plan may develop over time, and he or she may not want to reveal it too early but only the CEO can bring balance to the force. So uh, like you said, right, the market trends have been changing, and especially during these COVID times and post-pandemic also, you would see uh, the trends changing. So can you see, can you foresee like a trend that would happen uh, probably post-pandemic and how the world would be uh, in terms of uh, digitization? That's a very interesting question, uh, Veronica. The COVID-19 pandemic has definitely changed many priorities and has created a new reality in its wake, right? But it hasn't altered the need to deploy smart outsourcing strategies. So if anything, the past 12 months have underscored how critical it is for companies to effectively manage IT service providers, those that offer digital capabilities and business process services 
in order to survive a crisis like the pandemic uh, has to be very transformation you know oriented right the crisis has reinforced companies symbiotic relationship with their service providers that's evident from a survey that was conducted um, last quarter of 2020 by a leading uh, research firm we found that companies will continue to depend on service providers more so than ever and also will invest in more transformation and develop developed uh, developing more in-house capabilities so while many companies rely on global footprint of service providers to prevent service breakdowns that model doesn't factor in the possibility of a pandemic washing over the world service providers particularly in outsourcing hubs such as india and the philippines were hit hard although they mm-hmm. did their best to cope for example a service provider in india rented an entire hotel Mm-hmm. to ensure that its employees could work in a bubble the company provided accommodations access to food 24 bar 7 stable broadband connections and later regular covid-19 testing other service providers negotiated with local governments to ensure that power cuts to their employee homes turned offices would be limited or at least predictable mm-hmm. so these companies anticipate their immediate focus to be reinforcing on the it function with more investments in cybersecurity given that people will continue to work from home uh, more of automation more of that cloud migration that i talked to you mm-hmm. and uh, more of the pre, you know continue with the um, uh, in securing that remote workforce right so mm-hmm. this there's a lot has changed and a lot of that resilience we have also understood what it is to be a resilient organization as mm-hmm. we work through the pandemic mm-hmm. that is that is true so like like you uh, spoke about cyber security and now the october month is about uh, cyber security awareness right so um what kind of uh, measures paradigm as a company uh, ensures that you know that uh, any kind of a digital strategy or the product or a service that you provide for your client is secured and uh, because obviously when you're working with a client you have a lot of uh, data that comes from their business as well which one needs to take care of so how do you handle that a uh, good question so cybersecurity is always in the forefront of uh, most almost all our customers right so even from a digital transformation standpoint it is it is a key question that comes up and it is something that we have to accommodate when we do the solutioning and mm-hmm. uh, road mapping for our customers uh basically you know to strengthen and be proactive and be effective in making sure that there's no adverse events that's going to happen so mm-hmm. in essence cybersecurity is very core business requirement for uh even at paradigm uh mm-hmm. and we provide a secure foundation to transform uh, our customer enterprises to support their business and making sure uh you know they are like functional right mm-hmm. um so through the digital portfolio uh we have cybersecurity services our team gains access to proven cybersecurity practitioners across uh, you know um we have we are also a forbes technology council active mm-hmm. uh, members so we have that and we keep a pulse of what's happening in the market our services solutions and the delivery models um you know may, uh, you know have that security component and we do partner with companies in order mm-hmm. to make sure that uh that is that uh security factor that gets addressed um uh, in making sure there is a rapid detection of threats in in our customer enterprise as they are also looking at improving that customer experience mhm mhm that's interesting so uh, do you do you believe that paradigm has enough technology and uh, digital literate executives to achieve the digital goals that uh, you have uh, set for the company's growth so i do believe because that's why i'm here <laughs> <laughs> so yes so no matter how adept and competent i might be or yeah. i'm putting my organization to do in a day to day basis right mm-hmm. it's all about how the industry is a healthy chunk of uh, any company's success will always depend on how innovative you are right? right how can you keep a competitive edge on rest of the market how mm-hmm. can you do things better faster or more personable for your customers uh being able to tackle these challenges is what will really set our business apart in a saturated market mm-hmm. and technology might not be the first place uh i you would think to look when dialing in your competitive strategy 
Right. But our current IT solutions here at Paradigm uh, uh, is definitely going to put our customers in the forefront versus not holding back and uh, and just claiming a spot because we are a partner or a you know we 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 do we did this or that right. Mm-hmm. So technology trends uh, can evolve swiftly, and sometimes the option seems very overwhelming. If mm-hmm. you feel like you could be using more comprehensive software, more targeted data analysis, better, you know, mobile mm-hmm. management or cloud computing, um, uh, it's, it's, it's just that, that you're trying to take your business to the next level. It's mm-hmm. a great time to explore options with an IT solutions firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just to uh, dial down on this, to act at the pace of the business, data is going to be, the heart of everything. Data should be governed through throughout the life cycle. Uh, for me, I have uh, organically grown in the data space, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from my uh, experience. And I, I believe that the the companies which are data rich uh, should start harnessing that and making sure more in uh, you know um, uh, insights driven decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. and uh, and take it to their customers definitely definitely because um, there is there is a thing that any any decision made on the data gives you that confidence as well that you know okay you're going in the right direction now data comes with the technology right you just don't get data through some random people it is the technology or the kind of a software that you're using that uh, helps you achieve or uh, you know go through the entire list of millions of entries to understand what the trend is or uh, forecast basically, or have a prediction of this is how this is what is going to work in the coming future. So, do you think technology uh, in today's time is helping uh, you win against the competition, or you know, keeping you ten steps ahead of what probably competitors are at? That's a great question, Veronica. So, pretty much at Paradigm, we are helping businesses leverage technology for strategic and competitive advantages. Um, so we know how to apply the best IT methods and solutions to help our customers meet their goals. Mm-hmm. As you questioned on the data side, leveraging data analytics and uh, like a pro is going to be the most important thing uh, in, because there have been advances in the data side, analysis side, uh, as they have shaped many uh, companies uh, to make their business decisions more effective, particularly mm-hmm. because we know uh, we know how they access to such wealth of statistics, facts, and figures, mm-hmm. and coupled with cloud computing and beyond. What I mean by that is moving your business to more operational to the cloud uh, can decrease your business cost. And that is very proven, right? Mm-hmm. And that improves your company's agility, and you can encourage better collaboration between your teams. Plus, it helps you from a platform uh, a harmonization. Mm-hmm. So to act at the pace of the business, data should be governed throughout the life cycle, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, success relies on how modern your data and applicant, application architecture are and how much you can automate using technologies such as machine learning and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So um, how do you champion and uh, safeguard your ent- enterprise data across the organization in Paradigm? As many businesses have learned, and uh, and uh, Deborah Logan of Gartner points out, CIOs do not own the data. When retiring mm-hmm. an asset, have you been able to get the straight answer from your business on how long to keep the data? Mm-hmm. Uh, they aren't making decisions, and you can make the decisions about the data. So what that means is someone needs to manage data as a critical asset that it is, right? So develop and overseeing a corporate-wide data governance program is going to be paramount to improve the data quality, reduce the risk, and comply with all relevant regulations. Teams must be created to implement data governance policies. Mm-hmm. In an organization with a chief uh, data officer, there should be no debate about who owns the data. So driving information and an analytic strategy from a business perspective, the CIO uh, remains ultimately responsible for information strategy from a technical or a mm-hmm. systems perspective. But the chief data officer should articulate key performance index KPIs and metrics that should be tracked by and reported on by the systems that the organizations implements. Mm-hmm. 
since we are st uh, still talking about the data and how important it is, right? And uh, you spoke about uh, data governance. So is your data business ready is the question that came to my mind when I was listening to you. The pace of the business has exponentially increased and will continue to accelerate at an unprecedented rate. So our buyers have many options in front of them and the barriers to switching to a competitor are getting lower. How fast you meet your buyers, your this is your customers, needs with no trade-off on quality, price, or personalization, right? Because these are all hinging on not only how much you know about your, them, mm -hmm. how lean and agile your operations are. Mm -hmm. So, and how fast can um, we use these data uh, sets that are present with our customers to support the business. So mm -hmm. it's all going to be about how fast we can act on them, how personalized we are with our customer, and what's the quality and price that we can strike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. So um, like you said, right, we are accelerating when it comes to digital transformation. So do you think that remote working is uh, one of the key factors to do uh, this? As COVID-19 induced national lockdown uh, mandates, right, a year ago and around sometime around March 2021 uh, uh, around the globe, uh, we realized the digital technologies have played a critical role in our lives over the past year or so. Uh, working from home was a concept often frowned upon by organizations until the pandemic forced us to rethink work and work environments. Uh, businesses large and small have made efforts to facilitate this transition by adopting new digital technologies. In the last few months of lock lockdowns, especially with the variant virus that we've seen, employees around the world, technology has become very, very essential. Um, and employers are trying to uh, you know, manage and improve uh, employees' experience, their commitment, well-being, the improve the human connections and productivity. Uh, large organizations like Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft have announced plans to allow employees to work from anywhere, even in the foreseeable future. Now let's look at the what it is doing from a budget standpoint. There has been a, a transitional shift to mature processes around uh, remote business, right? Spending is expected to increase on technologies, including advanced analytic solutions, access management, encryption software, um, cloud and hyper automation, and AI and machine learning and digital commerce. All that is going to be uh, in play, right? So that acceleration is going to be there while the uh, improvement in remote working is going to uh, uh, be constant for in, in the foreseeable future. Asmad, I would really like to understand how Paradigm changed its policies uh, in this uh, pandemic to understand the uh, the way it is going to work out so that you can run your basic business through the operations as well as do the brainstorming because there are certain things that really work face-to-face -face and not remotely. So how was Paradigm mm -hmm. able to, uh, you know, uh, put up with these uh, challenges and at the same time, you know, help employees uh, stay high up in their morale so that their productivity is not affected over the period of time? Thank you, Veronica. That's a great question. So I will address this in two parts. Is remote work uh, being very effective? And what is the current state of remote uh, work uh, with Paradigm and other employers, uh, so forth? Okay. So clearly, about uh, a decade ago, if, uh, if employers would have... Uh, heard about the idea of work from home, they would have barked at it because, you know, that was something that uh, uh, they, they were not prepared for because they were not, uh, mainly because the technology understanding and the cultural shift that has happened over the 10 years with, you know, we have Zoom conferencing, Teams, um, you know, uh, Cisco WebEx, all that has just changed that uh, thought process with the uh, employer community. Now, Dialing back with where we are at Paradigm and has this worked effectively for us? Yes, it has, because we are very agile and we look at the market pulse, as I mentioned, and uh, we basically uh, provided, uh, you know, the, the, the tools for almost every uh, employee and contractor base that we have, uh, whether onshore or offshore. So we are 
uh, and we do a lot of uh, meetings. And how do we keep the employee morale is making sure that, you know, uh, we have done a great on our HR guidance and policy rollouts. And uh, we have uh, uh, practice-wide meetings. Um, from the digital practice, I, I, I host, uh, uh, you know, once a week uh, practice the leadership meeting. And then I keep a pulse with all the associates that are there uh, who are working and doing phenomenal work for our customers. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, yes, it is, uh, it is 100% remote, but then there are times where we have to make it more personable. So we make an effort to go, uh, you know, meet our customers uh, if needed, right? And those are the things that, you know, we are also looking at because uh, this industry that we are in, is a very high touch industry. So meaning a lot of this can be done, the work, right? The commoditization of the work, the execution, all that can happen remote, but having a handshake with a person before you sign the contract, that needs to be, at least you need to have that uh, break the bread type conversation. So those are things that we at Paradigm take it very serious and we make sure that we are there and we uh, meet our customer at least once a quarter uh, and of course, following all the uh, pandemic guidelines. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. So, um, you know, uh, let's let's now move on and focus on the relationship or the future relationship, I should say, that Paradigm is going to ha- have with India. So if you can, I don't want to reveal it. I want Azmat Pasha to share with our uh, listeners what, what kind of a relationship uh, Paradigm is going to have with India in the future, like say the next year. Utilizing India as our prime destination for uh, offshore outsourcing has always been in our radar. Uh, Why? Because uh, simply because India has a well-established global marketplace and is the leading destination for IT outsourcing. Um, As a nation, it is diversifying from its traditional base in customer call centers over the time, uh, internal help desk support, and business process outsourcing to develop innovations in blockchain and artificial intelligence. So we want to harness that uh, the the new capabilities the Indian workforce is uh, providing, and in uh, with the digital transformation wave, right? Uh, there is an impressive focus on emerging technologies uh, uh, at in India. So several technology companies, uh, you know. Uh, like Wipro, the Tatas, the Cognizance have a lot of presence in India and are taking initiative to address the digital talent pool. So uh, based on all this, um, uh, we have market uh, uh, data, so market trend data. And based on all this, I think we are, we are well positioned to make the next move into the Indian marketplace uh, by January 2022. So this will also help us address a lot of, uh, uh, you know, our customers are looking for the factory as a service model and, uh, you know, um, so from, uh, you know, and thought leadership from Paradigm. And we're going to bring that in uh, by harnessing the, uh, the capability that India provides uh, in the digital side. And is this the right time, if you may ask, to outsource to India? Um, I feel like, uh, a lot of these economies throughout the world have taken bat, uh, battering due to COVID-19. Uh, the death of ta- talent and competitive software rates in South and Southeast Asia have created opportunities for a lot of uh, Western companies um, uh, looking for an offshore development partner team and an equal standard of skills and expertise. So India has a long history of IT outsourcing uh, improved focus on trending digital initiatives. And uh, and this is uh, the reasons why I think um, uh, we are well positioned and we will be moving and opening up our offshore delivery center in India soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like, uh, like you said, you would be opening the offshore delivery centers in India and you're planning to uh, start, uh, start it somewhere next year. So, um, like what are the skills that you are looking for uh, so that it meets your digital transformation agenda? Most companies are flying data blind with regards to the skills they need for transformation. The pandemic has confirmed what means already, uh, what many already knew, uh, legacy ways of working are outdated. 
So talent resources are increasingly misaligned with work process and organizational structures. So the way work is designed diverges over time from the way it actually gets done. And now that happening even more quickly, so organizations need to be very agile, right? So from the talent pool standpoint, um, I'm, I'm looking at breaking the roles and projects into skills so you can begin to identify the work model that best meets the skills requirements. Then you have options. For example, to make up for a lack of a given digital skill, you could borrow from another department, do an interdepartmental talent swap, hire a freelancer or crowdsource capabilities. Um, deciding the fate of different roles at the environment involves uh, unbundling resources to adapt to develop decision-making authority. So ultimately, uh, it is all about right-sizing the role to realign with what requires in a new environment, eliminating the redundancy, right? Um, and uh, bring about a lot of uh, automation, automation where it's needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, the talent planning has to move resourcing closer to the end user, making it easier for employees to act on changing needs and helping to keep resources from getting stuck in less productive uh, projects that they are used to working on. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, like, like we are on talent pool and also like, what kind of an advice do you have for uh, aspiring digital professionals? Because soon you would be hiring here as well. So I'm pretty sure uh, the listeners would be keen to, un to know and understand what paradigm is looking for if they want to work with the company. Keep learning and experimenting with an open mind. The ability to keep pace with change in this industry is the most valuable skill you can have. Of course, the real value is being able to fluidly map technological innovations into effective business capabilities. Um, personally, I favor an 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of your effort and investment directed towards what's proven to be effective today and 20% of your time exploring new possibilities uh, before they are necessarily ready for prime time. I'm pretty sure they would have taken a note of that for sure. So, um, like, you know, like you said that India, India is a hub of out outsourcing, right? So... How are you positioned as the future of outsourcing and how is it reshaping uh, over the period of time? In 2021, almost half of all the companies that were surveyed by a leading research firm uh, showed outsourcing to be more, uh, you know, more of a work that they will be doing internally. Uh, and, um, you know, because uh, they have always partnered with companies, now they want to take it on themselves because of the, uh, you know, gives them the span of control and be able to uh, uh, innovate and all that. So that that clearly is uh, uh, shifting. So what are the steps that we're gonna be taking as we are uh, looking at outsourcing strategies is going to be key is focus on resilience, right? Uh, be selective about our partnership um, uh, because our business needs to become more strategic about the choice of our service providers. Um, and uh, we have to do more future-proof contracts with mm -hmm. our customers where we will partner with companies where we'll look at the change, the nature of the contracts so that, that they share more uh, risk and rewards with, uh, you know, service providers like us. Uh, and one of these surveys also showed that there, there is a rise in outcome-based contracts. It's almost 47% there's now the, the SESOWs and the statement of works that are written are more outcome-based and, and joint venture-based of about 47. So there's an equal uh, distribution there. And there is the persistence with the transformation agenda. That's another key thing uh, because companies are frankly put, uh, they are pushing the digital transformation projects ahead, right? Uh, and uh, there is less, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, obstacles and hindrance. So they're pretty much... They want to get onto the latest uh, software technology out there, uh, move to cloud native uh, architectures, look at distributed applications, APIs, middlewares, all that more, get the right new jazzy technology in the wheelhouse, right? So those are the things they're looking at. And then the final thing is going to be bridging the talent gap. Uh, uh, we want to make sure that we reevaluate the capabilities that we have today and what we are trying to set for long term 
and see what are the ones which we can harness in-house with the talent and determine which ones to procure from, uh, uh, from our contracting and service providers. So by building these capabilities in-house, uh, we can reduce the risk of mm -hmm. uh, you know, executing our transformation projects. Uh, and, and frankly, we don't want any project to stall and we want to leave that impression and uh, make sure that we are part of that customer journey, right? It's always mm -hmm. gonna be a happy customer and that's what we want. Mm -hmm. um, and some of our companies are trying to develop these capabilities in tandem with service providers. And that's the trend that we're also seeing. So these are the things that we're going to be looking at uh, from positioning ourselves as a, as a, as a leader in the space and uh, what we do and how we're going to uh, leverage uh, offshoring and uh, uh, outsourcing in the long term. So with Paradigm coming onto the Indian soil and, you know, sowing its seeds soon, uh, you would need a kind of a support. So, and a talent uh, to help you build that business and that base out here. So what is the, what kind of a message would you like to uh, send across uh, to the digital professionals? Or should I put it in a fact that aspiring uh, future Paradigm employees, uh, what kind of a message would you like to put it out there? Uh, good question, Veronica. So, our talent acquisition team and our marketing team uh, work very much in tandem and they've kept uh, uh, the blogs and the LinkedIn uh, basically, uh, you know, very well aligned and as well as uh, it's uh, very current with what we're doing. Uh, recently, we wrapped up a webinar uh, uh, with, uh, you know, a couple of our partners. We are doing a, a Data Speaks event as well. So all that is posted on LinkedIn. So for folks who are aspiring to be part of the Paradigm family and folks who are uh, aspiring to take digital as their uh, career uh, uh, initiative, uh, uh, there's, you know, the power of Paradigm, uh, LinkedIn has um, all that uh, collaterals and artifacts that they can uh, keep in touch with. So stay connected and, uh, uh, and we're looking forward for folks joining us uh, through LinkedIn and uh, and keep a watch on our uh, website. Well, I think they have got uh, the feel and pulse of paradigm and as well as, you know, how to stay in touch. And I'm pretty sure that many of uh, the digital professionals in India would be looking out uh, for paradigm. So uh, we've spoken a lot about digitization. We have spoken about strategies. We have spoken about how it works and, you know, what kind of... Um, uh, like basically a temperament or a mindset a digital professional uh, should have. So let's go back to Azmat Pasha again and uh, know more, a little bit more about you. Now, since you've been in the uh, industry for quite some time, so I'm pretty sure there would be one aspect of, uh, uh, you know, digitization, which would be um, sort of your favorite, I would say. So what is one thing that drives you to still be in that space and, you know, uh, still work on uh... okay I think I, this has to come out from the heart uh, fresh off the board and then today you're in a space where what you do uh, has impact not only to uh, the team the practices or uh, the company it also has the social impact uh, being a leader and an advisor uh, in uh, many forums, so uh, so it, it's it's it has changed personally for me, right? Over the time, um, what keeps me going is uh, the the change in technology. The pace keeps the you know you you're always like, wow, how does this happen? Okay, you know we got a new technology, we have a new platform that inquisitiveness in you right the the inquisitiveness is what keeps me going the other piece of me is the entrepreneurial itch basically mm -hmm. is always trying to um, find out ways uh, you know to innovate uh, find out ways what works best uh, whether it is as simple as making things efficient and the final pillar to all this stuff is more like uh, how do you be uh, cultivating the next generation of leaders, right? Uh, I mean, at some point, our team members, our folks are going to be where you are today. And right. some of them will have an accelerated journey. 
you know, in our technology field, you know, people uh, make moves that are moves and shakers overnight. Mm-hmm. People become CEOs and all that stuff. So how do we keep that uh, leaders, uh, grow those leaders, keep them motivated and pass on that torch? Those are the things that uh, basically keeps me going. I've been very fortunate and blessed over the years to work with many great uh, uh, companies. And, uh, and, uh, and today, I also uh, thank my special thanks to my uh, executive team and uh, our all employees at Paradigm uh, and uh, for embracing, um, uh, you know, my thought and my leadership that I bring to, uh, to the company. So um, it's, 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 uh, there is not a, you know, it's going to be an ongoing journey and I'm very thrilled to be here and, and, and uh, yeah, it's going to go. Uh, as rightly said, Asmat, you know, the journey is always ongoing. It never stops. It's only the person taking that journey or walking on that road that keeps changing based on as the years go by. Like you already said that, you know, uh, mentoring uh, the next leader who is probably going to come up and take your position and you might take somebody else's who knows like you know what is there in the future so the journey is ongoing and on that note ongoing journey comes with its challenges right it's never smooth somewhere you have uh, you know rocky roads and big hills to cross and at times you do feel like you know you feel stressed you feel burnt out you feel like nothing is working as per what you thought would go right so during those times, what kind of activities or probably what is your stress buster, you know, that takes you out of that mode for some time and it rejuvenates you and you hit back on that challenge again? Love that question. Let me think through, okay? <laughs> I have many stress busters. <laughs> That's and, and okay. You can a, list them all uh, if you want. <laughs> um, uh, or list them all they want. Okay. So, you know, Veronica, the, the field that we are in is never going to be that eight to five 40 hours, clock in, clock out, right? There's going to be long hours, a lot of battle scars, a lot of challenges, as you mentioned. The journey is never going to be easy. And going forward, the journey is going to be even harder because um, the technology changes um, and the market uh, trends are going to keep us on our toes. Um, uh, So with me, uh, how do I battle the stress is... um, when when you're down, when when things are not going my way, or um, I basically go back, dial in, right? Go do further reading, uh, keep uh, you know, see what the other leaders are doing in the industry, uh, read up uh, reports from uh, uh, research analysts, and then uh, you know, um, take up a pen and start writing an article, a blog, you know, and uh, always uh, and start converging my ideas into that and always keep posting out there and trying to, you know, hit back. Right. And then in terms of, uh, in the personal, a personal standpoint, you know, um, on a try to get that weekend stress buster out, right. Meaning go out somewhere uh, every three months or four months, try to uh, go to, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, take a week off. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go experience something new, a different place, um, a different, uh, uh, you know, um, culture, uh, whatnot, right? I mean, there's a world is a very big place. And I've, uh, in the last seven years, I've been fortunate. I have traveled all around the world. And uh, in the last two years, I've explored America a lot because of pandemic of the travel shut lockdowns and all that. So that also has helped me keep that uh, uh, stress in control. And uh, the other one near and dear to me is um, uh, having my family in one roof, my children growing in front of me. I have uh, kids uh, going to college as well as I have a kid in kindergarten. So seeing them and uh, interfacing them uh, with them over the weekend and catching up on a, with a movie or going out or trying to do something cool with them uh, is uh, uh, is like, uh, you know, it keeps uh, things in check. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing definitely that, uh, you know, now we share together is is the passion for travel. I I love traveling. Unfortunately, again, I have had a break of two years and I've not traveled anywhere, which is quite frustrating. But um, do you have any kind of a favorite destination that you would like to go to every now and then? Um, Switzerland is my favorite, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I would always say India. 
because uh, I'm miles away. I've, I have so much memories growing up as uh, right. and I left in my early teens and uh, mm-hmm. and every two years I make it a point to go visit even if it's for a week, catch up with my friends, my school schoolmates, right? And uh, uh, of course, India has also uh, changes every time I go, every two years. Um, other than that, um, yeah, Switzerland, Europe is fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's so much, so many more places to go in Europe. Um, and uh, you know, I'm hoping all this uh, is behind us and we get back to a normalcy at some point and resume those travels and things that we all love to do. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure with Paradigm coming to India, that would give another, probably an excuse for you to come back and touch base through India again. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's a good excuse to have. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Work with pleasure is always the best way. So, um, Azmat, with that, I would really like to uh, thank you for uh, taking your time and coming on to Insider's Talk and share with us uh, the plans of Paradigm and, you know, what Paradigm is all about, as well as um, we had beautiful insight of who Azmat Pasha is as well. And um, from Insider's Talk, we would really like to wish you all the best. And uh, definitely we are following, and I'm pretty sure many people who would be listening right now would be following Paradigm as well as you to know how and when you're going to arrive in India. Thank you, Veronica, for having me. And thank you, Insider uh, Talk. This is a great forum uh, to share, uh, you know, uh, share my thoughts, uh, to be frank. and. you know, it's always about that knowledge, right? It's the knowledge that you leave behind, and this is, uh, and that becomes part of uh, anybody's legacy. So, I'm, uh, again, grateful for your time here, and uh, thank you. And uh, look forward for uh, folks who are listening to uh, connect with me over LinkedIn and uh, connect with Paradigm as well as we are uh, coming into India. So that's all from me today. I hope you enjoyed the interview and had some valuable lessons to take in with you and the stories inspired you and you found it interesting. I would be coming with more new stories in the coming week. Every week, every Monday, you will get to hear from me from a new entrepreneur, their stories about their brands, about their insights on employment and few tips and tricks to get into entrepreneurship. Stay tuned. Stay safe and enjoy your life.